Hi! You're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why we'll probably never be able to teleport, how to set goals so you're more likely to achieve them, and how dogs can help improve kids' reading skills. Let's satisfy some curiosity. I've got some bad news, Star Trek fans. We'll probably never be able to teleport. No! (laughs) Unfortunately, this problem kind of violates the principles of physics. Today, we're going to get into the details so you're not too disappointed 20 or 30 years from now when you realize you can't just call up your friend and say, beam me up, Scotty. I mean, I'll probably still call up my friends and say that. Just nothing will happen. Sure, sure. It all comes down to the fact that we can't pass particles of matter through most materials. That's because they interact too strongly with the atoms inside. Even if you were teleporting through a void, though, you'd run into the issue of timing. You wouldn't be able to teleport instantly because matter can't travel at the speed of light. Kind of makes the whole process less inviting. Just because we can't technically make teleporting a reality doesn't mean scientists aren't working on similar projects, though. Scientists are working on quantum teleportation, which sends the state of a particle from one place to another, something like an electron or a photon. This could work because when it comes to quantum mechanics, all particles of the same type are identical. Every electron is exactly the same as every other in terms of things like its mass and electric charge. So if you copy the configuration of one electron to another, it's exactly the same as teleporting it. But electrons are simple compared to whole human bodies. The average person contains around 10 atoms to the 28th power. That's one followed by 28 zeros. The total quantum configuration of a human body includes how those atoms are arranged, from the structure of DNA up to bones and skin. That's a lot of information to try to transport. Some researchers estimate that just to encode the brain alone would require 2.6 tridecillion bits. That's 2.6 times 10 to the 42nd. And that's just when it comes to copying, let alone reassembling all the information at the end of the process. Teleportation also comes with some ethical and philosophical problems, by the way. If you copy a person, is that really the same person? Especially if you killed the original in the encoding process? So the sad truth is that unless a new discovery contradicts what we know about the cosmos, we simply can't teleport. For now, we'll just have to focus on other ways to explore the universe. Yeah, I mean, it sounds great, but unless you're teleporting the exact same particle to the exact new location, then is it really you? I mean, so this is the big question. And for me, I don't care. I don't care at all. You don't care if it's you? I could be a gazillion copies of myself. I do not care. What? But if you're, what if you're the one that dies? What do you mean? What if I'm the one that, then then I'd be dead and then I wouldn't be experiencing anything. And then my copy would be going on without me, but it would have my consciousness. So it wouldn't matter. Yes. It would matter. It wouldn't matter to me. If I wouldn't you know. Were dead. Wow. We have very <laughs> different philosophies on life. Yep. I prefer not to be dead as a general rule. <laughs> but you'd be living. You'd just be a different version of yourself. Not if it wasn't you. I mean, we're living in a million different realities all at once right now, if you believe the many worlds theory. So just now you split off into two beings, but just one of them didn't die. Yeah, and I'd like to be the one that doesn't <laughs> die. How, how are you coming to this conclusion? <laughs> dying only sucks if, if it's painful. <laughs> dying only sucks if it's painful and your consciousness goes away. And if it's not painful and your consciousness doesn't go away, then what's the difference? If you're dead, you don't have a consciousness. <laughs> 
Well, that one doesn't, but you do because it goes on. It, it lives on in the next copy. Yeah, I don't want it to live on. I want to live on. <laughs> it's basically you. We're just talking in circles at this point. <laughs> but let the record show I like to not be dead. Ashley doesn't really care. Maybe this will become a true crime podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. How many times have you set a New Year's resolution or set a goal in general that sounds kind of like this? I'm going to eat less junk food. I'm going to stop making impulse purchases. I'm not going to check Facebook at work. Those goals are what psychologists call avoidance goals. But there's another type of goal that you can set, and it turns out it's way more effective. I'm talking about approach goals. And those goals are based on what you want to get out of life. So let's take another look at those New Year's resolutions. What if they were more like this? I'm going to eat a vegetable with every meal. I'm going to add $20 to my savings every week. I'm going to devote time after work to spend with friends in person. So those goals sound more fun and positive, at least to me. And that is actually the point. According to some pretty thorough research, positive approach goals are way better for your well-being than negative avoidance goals are. According to established studies, people who set approach goals feel less lonely and feel more social satisfaction. But a lot of the time, people who set goals based on what they want to avoid end up feeling lonelier, have negative social attitudes, and are insecure in their relationships. And avoidance goals are actually harder to meet than approach goals are. So why could this be? Well, researchers think that when we're already looking at the negative side of things, we feel unhappy. Duh. But that means that people who want to eat less junk food, for example, end up looking for junk food and thereby failure everywhere. That sounds pretty exhausting, and it makes the goal harder to achieve. Psychologists say that avoidance goals are common in people who have experienced failure. And be careful, research shows that people who set avoidance goals at work end up twice as mentally fatigued as their approach-focused colleagues. So the next time you feel yourself setting a goal based on fear, see if you can reframe it. What do you want out of life? Focus on that. You'll end up less tired and more successful. I found this when I wanted to read more. I didn't say I'm going to play fewer video games. I said I'm going to read a chapter of a book every night. Worked for me. That's great. Today's episode is sponsored by Purple Mattress. Better sleep, better you. Maybe you have an avoidance goal to wake up less cranky. Or maybe you have an approach goal to wake up more chipper and ready to take on the day. Well, either way, one thing is going to get you there, and that's getting a good night's sleep. And if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, then you've got to try a Purple Mattress. The Purple Mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses a brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. So it feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time. The Purple Mattress keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. It's not like the memory foam you're probably used to. And when you order, you'll get a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. It's also backed by a 10-year warranty with free shipping and returns. You're going to love Purple. And right now, Curiosity Daily listeners will get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's on top of all the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text CURIOUS to 84888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text CURIOUS to 84888. That's C-U-R-I-O-U-S to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Get ready for some pure, heartwarming goodness that might make you give in to your kids' requests for a puppy. 
For a recent study, scientists had first, second, and third graders read aloud to either dogs or people. And they noticed something both adorable and educational. Kids read for longer in the presence of a dog. Scientists had been wondering about the effect of therapy dogs in school. Past research has shown that therapy dogs can help children with their reading. But for those studies, children often get to choose their own books. Here, researchers wanted to know if the dogs could help children complete tasks they found challenging or intimidating. Could children read longer and persevere through challenging reading with dogs by their sides? To find out, researchers tested the children's reading level and chose stories that were just beyond what the tests showed that they could do. Then they had kids read out loud to either a human observer, a dog handler and their dog, or a dog handler without the dog. After they read the first page, the kids were offered the option of doing a second reading task or finishing the session. Kids in the presence of a dog spent significantly more time reading than those who read with just people present. And it didn't really matter what kind of dog it was either. Regardless of breed or age, kids who read near dogs showed more persistence. They also reported feeling more interested and competent by the end of reading time. All of this is good news for parents of struggling readers. The researchers hope their findings will give more kids a chance to read with furry friends. When books are especially difficult, having a dog around could help. And we know that a lot of parents listen to our podcast with their kids. We so do. Parents whose kids are now demanding a dog so that they'll read more. We're sorry, but also kind of not. <laughs> Hashtag sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah. But you'll note that we did save this story for after Christmas. Yes. So they wouldn't be disappointed. But... I don't know when any of the kids' birthdays are, so who knows? Good luck. All right, so let's do a quick recap of what we learned today. We'll never be able to teleport because most matter can't pass through other matter. Not to mention matter can't move at the speed of light. What's the matter? <laughs> Here's what the matter is. You don't care if you... You know what? We're not going to do this again. Let's just move on. Uh, and we also found out that there are two types of goals. Avoidance goals are goals where you try not to do something, and approach goals are goals where you try to do something, and approach goals are positive and way more effective. Try to set an approach goal of listening to at least two minutes of Curiosity Daily every day in 2020. Or all 10 minutes. We'll see they'll end up listening to the 10 minutes. I see. Little baby steps. Mm -hmm. And in a story that's just plain adorable, kids actually read more when dogs are around. Now they gotta try it with cats. Because you'll do anything that requires sitting for longer if you have a cat in your lap. Yeah, that's because they won't get off of you. Yeah. <laughs> in my house, we call it cat claws. Everybody it's... has to get up and do stuff for you when a cat is in your lap. Wow. I never would have guessed the breadth of things we learned on this episode. <laughs> Today's stories were written by Matthew Francis and Kelsey Donk and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgett. Curiosity Daily is produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.